Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Happy Friday. And Ari, it's time to get down to business because Notre Dame's about to make some deals or one very big deal. Our friend Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated has reported that Notre Dame's exclusive negotiating window with Under Armour is closed. So now the Fighting Irish, maybe the biggest brand in college sports, on the open market for Nike, for Adidas, maybe maybe it's Nike, Hoka? but Jordan brand. Hoka? <laughs> wow. Can you imagine Hoka football cleats? That'd be sick. Every sports writer in America would become a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, but I think so. I think I, I've got my idea for Notre Dame. I, I put it out there. Yeah, our friend Mike Golick Jr. said he's starting his Jordan brand prayer circle. So, But that, that just makes you just like North Carolina, Oklahoma, Michigan, Florida. Well, I got to tell you, Andy, I was in Oklahoma on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. And the Jordan brand at Oklahoma on their stadium, like, etched into the glass doors like all over the place like it is like really cool and so like the shoe walls at the jordan schools are pretty amazing too yeah the one that's in venable's office it's like i almost just like put a few in the bag and ran with them i mean i i (laughs) i don't know there i just think that like maybe this is a hot take andy and like we are not affiliated with anybody uh well we're apparel wise roan and roback have been Sponsors of this well, podcast, we're not we're happy, uh, we're happy to endorse them for Notre Dame. If you'd like, I don't think they're on that uh, quite on that level yet. Yeah, well, it would be like maybe for like uh, business meetings, like they'd be perfect for them because it's also it's casual, but also looks great. You exactly. know, like it's the comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but for an apparel standpoint, for fans, the hoodies that they buy, the hats that they buy, mm-hmm. the shirts that they buy, there is mm-hmm. no better partnership than nike and jordan right like that's no a fact. i i disagree completely that's i mean i don't know if i had a a team that i wanted to buy their stuff i would want it to be jordan no sir because there's a way to do this where you might even be able to have jordans on your feet still and this is what i've suggested to notre dame i'm just saying, I'm talking about the clothes andy but keep going i'm talking about the clothes too look into lululemon oh yeah lululemon Marcus Freeman is the handsomest head coach in America. Can you imagine how handsome he'd be decked out in Lululemon? Yeah, because it's the it's the joggers that like hug your butt right and like Just are perfectly perfect. around your ankles and exactly you know yeah yeah Lululemon would be good. Um, also, too, like, do you want to just rank your current brands based on how good their football uniforms look and like then picture where you might put Lululemon if they started creating uniforms? Yeah. Well, right. So Under Armour, I don't even know if we can use them anymore because Under Armour is Notre Dame's current supplier. The reason the market is so kind of cooled, because I I had an administrator tell me in December that they don't think Nike or Adidas is going to be spending a ton of money because Under Armour pulling out of the market, really, or being less aggressive in the market has made it where Nike and Adidas don't have to bid that much. So it's really... Nike and Adidas, but we can split up Nike and Jordan if we want to, even though it's the same company. So then the rankings are unequivocally Jordan one, Nike two, if they're split. Adidas, Adidas, Adidas three. Adidas is 94th. Yeah, distant third. Like figure out a way to make cool, cool football uniforms because you're not doing well. The the problem with Adidas isn't really the design. It's how they look like they always seem like they're they're like not like formed onto the shoulder pads properly. Like Nike's or they are do, clean, proportional. Or they do weird stuff. The Adidas ones, they just look strange sometimes. Um, they've done some good ones. Like the the throwback Miami ones are cool. And then actually the the Texas A&M ones that had kind of the, they're supposed to look like the, the 80s mesh jerseys. Those were cool. But yeah, a lot like, of I Adidas they, ones, you wonder what they're doing. But if, I think the design is fine. But when they are on the players... Yeah, there's something off like, you know, it looks like their shirt, their numbers are ironed on diagonally or something like it looks yeah. weird to me. Um, Nike is just so clean. And of course, Jordan is number one. Like, I mean, you just go look at Michigan. Like Michigan's always had one of the most iconic helmets and, and maybe yeah. one of the sexiest uniform combinations in all of America. Think about how much cleaner Michigan looks now under Jordan than it did when it was Adidas a few years ago. Like it's, well, it's night and day. And they got Mays back because Nike apparently owned the Pantone color for maize like, or the uh, whatever that yeah. color had they it was their color and so 
that allowed Michigan to get that back. But yeah, and and like Tennessee going from Adidas to Nike, it feels like that those uniforms just look better, even though their their kind of classic uniform hasn't really changed. But I think you're right. Now, what what I'm pre, what I'm saying, Notre Dame should think about. And I wrote a column about this in the Athletic. Let me let me run this by you, Ari. Notre Dame is a huge brand, probably the most powerful single brand in all of college sports. So it's going to command a big price. Even if the market is cooled, Nike and Adidas are going to, going to try to put up big money to get Notre Dame. But what if you're if you're Notre Dame, why don't you say, we will make an exclusive apparel deal with, with Nike or Adidas, and then maybe get like a Lululemon or somebody else to, to be the third bidder to even drive up the price more. And say, we'll do a non-exclusive footwear deal with you. Like you just give us enough product to put on the feet of all our players and maybe you pay us a little extra, but, but if you don't, that's fine. But we're going to allow our players to bring their own shoe deals. Yeah. The question, I think it's a great idea and think about it. If you were like one of the only schools that had that situation, how much Mm -hmm. better that would be. Like I can just picture Sonny Vaccaro's, son going out there and pitching a 15 year old about wearing Nikes. You know what I mean? Like every, that could top, be a thing. every top 10 basketball recruit would consider you immediately over other schools. You you would make the finalist list no matter what. Yeah, because the, the shoe thing is so much more important than basketball than it is in football, right? Yes. Um, the thing that I would be curious about is if one of those brands agreed to that, like if Nike uniforms like would be cool with Adidas footwear and vice well, versa. They, they agree with it in the NFL and the NBA because they have no other choice. So, and my thing is, let's say you have an Adidas athlete at a Nike school. You're still going to see the swoosh on them. You'll see the swoosh more prominently than you'll see it on their feet. So you're still going to get your pop and they're going to get their pop because they can wear whatever shoes they want and then they can they can be in their own Instagram ads wearing head to toe Adidas other times not on the court. Now, we we actually saw this play out but there was no option for the player. Haley Von Lith, the star basketball player at Louisville who just transferred to LSU, she's an Adidas athlete. She has an Adidas deal. Now, when she was at Louisville, that was a lot of synergy because Louisville's a, an Adidas school. But now she's going to a Nike school. She is going to keep that Louisville, or excuse me, that Adidas deal. And so if you go on her Instagram, if you go on her Twitter, you'll see her draped head to toe in Adidas a lot of times. But when you see her on the court, Nike clothes, Nike shoes. Mm-hmm. So imagine if she had the option to bring her Adidas deal. And I, this is where I, I think it's interesting because I'm not sure there's a men's basketball player right now who could command a signature shoe. Cause like Oscar Sheeway, Hunter Dickinson, the guys like that, that they're not considered huge NBA prospects. Like they're not top 10 NBA prospects. So like they're not necessarily going to command a signature shoe, but how many girls who play high school basketball or middle school basketball right now would line up to buy an angel Reese or Caitlin Clark shoe? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, like that. They, they those two are probably. I know they're probably more prominent than the best men's players. I don't yes. even know who the best men's players are off the top of my head right now. We just got done watching. I mean, the Hunter Dickinson is probably going to be the most famous men's player coming back next year. He's gonna. He played at Michigan. He's gonna play for Kansas next year. But football, Caleb Williams might be able to pull it off. But the thing is, in football, this is where this is where it would become valuable in football, and. This is why I, I suggested this for Notre Dame especially because Jack Swarbrick, their AD, has been very very enthusiastic about NIL the way NIL was initially pitched where it's endorsement deals. Because let's be real, if you're a really good athlete at Notre Dame, you're a famous person and therefore you're going to get hired for endorsements. Yeah. So, Well, you know what it reminds me of? What's that? Like USC is a Nike school, right? Yes. Um. But Caleb Williams like wore this Adidas Gucci suit to the mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy selection. Yep. Um, I wonder how that all played out. You know, like, and it's just like, I think that there is room, even if you don't, if you don't wear the shoes in game, because I don't think that people are are locked in. I mean, a lot of times in football, there's tape around them. Um, well, I believe Caleb Williams has a 
has a, an Adidas relationship because he, he wore that suit. He was wearing Yeezy boots to a playoff game recently. So, but what, so then what is the biggest difference between what Caleb Williams has going on and what Notre Dame should do then? Well, this would allow Caleb Williams to wear Adidas cleats, which right when you're in Caleb Williams situation, that's a big deal. That's what I, that's what I was getting to. So for football, they're not going to be nobody's no shoe companies making a deal with a kid out of high school. But if the kid is has shined his first two years at a big school like Notre Dame or like USC or well USC in Oklahoma for Caleb Williams case, then and and you're pretty sure they're going to be a top ten NFL draft pick. You swoop yeah, in. Yeah, once they're established the way that Caleb Williams is now. Yeah. yeah, you swoop in and make that deal. So what you're doing is you're giving your best athletes a chance to make the most money. And that's what you should do as a as a power football program. You know, that yeah, I, I that's just, how I, I just wonder what the, the financial difference like because right. the, the place that, that Caleb Williams can make the most impact with his sponsorships is what he's wearing on his Instagram. And this what he wears true, the Heisman Trophy, but if he, but but I'm telling you, think about how many we're talking. Millions of people watch it, watch those games. If he's wearing Adidas during the game, it matters to them. They yeah, pay, sure. I'm not they saying pay it doesn't. more for that. So I'm, yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't. Um, yeah, but it is interesting because I don't think they're going to be pitching a Jordan Brand type shoe to somebody. I mean, maybe Arch Manning, uh, but yeah. like, even that probably not. It's right? probably not a football player. It's it's probably a basketball player, and and let's be honest, it's probably a women's basketball player. Right this now. might be the dumbest question of all time, but they ever yeah. had a, a sponsored cleat. I know Bo Jackson had cross trainers, but that wasn't yeah. a football shoe. So I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about because uh, I just actually bought football cleats for my son. And there are not, as far as I can tell, any signature football cleats right now with the player's name on them. Now, there are football players who have shoes, but they are trainers they're, they're they're what you'd wear in the weight room not what you'd wear or what you wear you know yeah working out yeah not what you wear on the field want to buy shoes that they wear every day not just yeah to play football now yeah there are some very sweet jordan one nike vapor football cleats oh yeah that are pretty awesome do you remember the and, cleats that we used to wear back in the day? Those big luggy rubber ones that were high oh, top. Oh yeah, the black? Nike, yeah. the Nike Boss Shark. I absolutely <laughs> yeah, remember those. I think I had, I had those. Um, I, but here's the thing, because we didn't really discuss it all that much. But like, let's envision a apparel partnership uh-huh. with Lulu, right? Because that's the yep. whole thing. Let's say, yeah, Lulu doesn't make shoes, right? No, well, they make shoes, but they're for working out. They, they don't make basketball shoes. They don't make cleats. Because I remember they had those. Uh, they had APL shoes that they would sell in the store for a while because yep. I got my wife a pair uh, for uh, a gift a while back. But I, when you go into Lulu, I didn't see any like working out or tennis shoes that they make. So like if you could get Lulu to make clean uniforms, right? Because Lulu wouldn't have any worry about what shoes they wear because they don't make them themselves right. anyway. So and, it's not and, their domain. And the apparel, because think about the target market for your apparel. It's the bougie alums that are buying most of your apparel. So well, I think about if they made like, yeah, Lululemon, uh, you know, the T-shirts and the joggers and stuff that they sell that we all wear uh, with your Nike or not your Nike, your school logo on it. Yeah. Whew. That'd, that'd be something now. And and now they have done this. I, somebody sent me a, a an Instagram post. They've partnered with some schools because they partnered with with UConn. And they sent me a, a rack, a picture of a rack of Lululemon Yukon gear, and it looked good. Like there's some some full zip hoodies that look pretty spectacular. How much do you think that that would matter for Lulu? Like, that's, would they be motivated the to question. do this? That's the other question: is what would it increase their sales that much? Now, I do think it would because I think there's I think there's a lot of people who do not even consider that as a brand because men. Well, a lot of men wear Lulu, but to work out, if you don't work out a ton. You're probably never even thinking about it. No, but like Lulu has an, a bunch of great athleisure, mm-hmm. but every woman knows that. I don't think every man does. So if they right. were to sponsor, if they were to sponsor a a football yeah. program's uniforms, right. and then open up that world, I think there's a huge market share of men who just want joggers or comfortable t-shirts that you would wear on a weekend. Like it's mm-hmm. not just to go in there to buy clothes to sweat in. Like I have Lulu stuff that I wear, like gym shorts and stuff, just 
if I'm going to the mall, you know what I mean? Or whatever, like going yep. to, around the weekend. And yeah. like, I didn't know that Lulu had men's stuff until my wife bought me a pair of shorts from there. And then I tried them on. I was like, wow, these are great. That it's exactly right. So now our friends at Roback, our friends at Roan, you try to get on this too, because I, I can, I can attest anti-stink holds up in the wash, looks great. So uh, I'm I was for- walking around the mall with my daughter uh, last week and she walked into the Roan store nice. and I was like, uh, and I was like, man, this stuff is clean. It is. It is beautiful. It, I will be, I will be wearing my Roan joggers and my Roan polos when we, uh, when we meet up next week in Chicago. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Speaking of meeting up, we do have to talk about uh, another story that I ended up working on on Wednesday night. The Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville may not mm-hmm. be in Jacksonville for two years coming up because the Jaguars' lease runs out after the 2029 season. The city of Jacksonville wants to basically tear down the stadium, rebuild it so they make sure the Jaguars want to stay. And to do that, it's going to require the stadium to be out of commission for two years. Now, the the mayor of Jacksonville got on a radio interview. He said 2025 and 2026. I talked to Scott Strickland, the Florida athletic director. He said they're under the impression that it would be 2026 and 27. But either way, you're talking about two years potentially that the the floor that Florida and Georgia would need somewhere else to play. The obvious suggestion to me was on campus. You know, you play one game in Athens, one game in Gainesville. Boom, you're done. But talking to more people around this game, I was not aware entirely. I knew there I knew there was more money in having it in Jacksonville. I didn't realize it's essentially twice as much as a home game each year. So each school gets the equivalent of having played a home game each year. So I would not be shocked if those two games get shopped to Tampa Atlanta, or Orlando, Tampa, Miami. Now, Kirby Smart wants that game in Athens because he wants to have the mother of all recruiting weekends. What would you do if you if you had that choice? Would you would you want it on campus or would you want to go other neutral site? Well, can't Kirby have the mother of all recruiting weekends against somebody else? Well, that's the thing. If the SEC is going to the nine-game schedule where everybody's rotating through, he can probably have it against Alabama or Oklahoma or Texas or LSU or Texas A&M, whereas now he doesn't see those teams very often. Yeah, because you want – like that's always the thing when it comes to the big showcase recruiting weekends. Do you want to have them uh, during a weekend where you could potentially lose or do you want to have them when you're going to kick the crap out of your opponent, but it's not as exciting. You, you want to have them when you're going to kick the crap out of a good team. That's, that's the best time. I mean, that's you, the perfect you want, the, you, you want the crowd to be on edge. Like, I yeah. think that's the thing. Um, yeah. so, I mean, in the sec schedule, I'm assuming that Georgia has one tough home game a year. <laughs> like, can they muster that up? Well, the the because like the Florida doesn't is, necessarily pack the punch that it used to outside of the fact that it's a rivalry, right? Right, but the, and the issue is that you know they've their home schedule the 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 fixtures of it have been Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee. Well, how much now, do you ten, think that Tennessee's the, good, but it, it it it's just recently good? Yeah, and you don't know in twenty twenty six what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, how much do you think the head coach cares about how much revenue his uh his athletic department is making. He, he probably cares quite a bit, right? He cares some, but not as much as the AD does. Yeah. Well, I mean, because like obviously the number one litmus test of how well a coach is doing outside of wins and losses is how much money are you making? Yeah. Like that's the bottom line. But like with the t- TV deal, the SEC is going to have and, uh, you know, is one less home games revenue every for one year going to make or break it. But right. also, too, it's not like Georgia's not signing elite level classes without that weekend. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's really that big of a uh, uh, Sophie's a big, choice situation. It's a, like, it's a big deal to the fans. Now, what, what I think is interesting is if they do shop it to Orlando or Atlanta or whoever, and it goes well, that means the price for Jacksonville just went up. So it's it's going to cost more for Jacksonville to get it back. Yeah. Um, because like there was some some notion that if they went home and home, uh, for that two year period, that that would be the last time it was ever on a neutral site because people would like it so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the money is the way you just described it. If that's going to happen, then 
I don't either. Although I personally would like to see it on campus. I think the swamp and Sanford stadium are two of the best venues in college football. And that's a great place for those games. But I know, I know I'm in the minority among people who went to Florida. I think there's more Georgia people who'd like to see it on campus, but I still think there's a lot of Georgia people who really appreciate the tradition of having that game in Jacksonville. And the fact that it's in Jacksonville too, like that's a crazy tradition and I've never been to it, but like I hear it's absolutely nuts around there. It is absolutely nuts around there, and and they've been doing it since 1933. The only years they didn't were were 94 and 95 when the stadium was being torn down and and rebuilt to accommodate the Jaguars. And they did they played in Gainesville in 94, played in Athens in 95. Very different time in the rivalry. Florida was was beating the hell out of Georgia at that time, but it is it, I don't know I I understand where the purists are coming from here. The thing is, the purists are actually in agreement with the people who want the most money, which is that doesn't usually happen in sports. Usually it's it's the purists want the thing that makes less money. But in this case, they want the thing that makes more money. So we'll we will see what happens with that. We have to go now to a great interview with a coach who grew up in your hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona, Kenny Dillingham, the new coach at Arizona State, who. He's had to fill his roster from the portal as well, though he's gotten a lot less publicity than a certain other Pac-12 coach. But uh, it was a great interview with Kenny. Ari, I did mention your pitch of trying to block Jalen Carter for a million dollars. Well, did you tell Kenny I said it? I did, and you'll just have to see the look on his face when when (laughs) I mention it. Because uh, if you're listening... Go find the YouTube stream. The The interview with Kenny will be up on the YouTube stream. Go find it just for the look on his face when I tell him that Ari thinks he might be able to successfully block Jalen Carter for a million dollars. Well, did you did you tell him about the adrenaline and the wife or the, the mother in the car? That's the I, analogy. I couldn't get that far. He almost fell off his chair. <laughs> okay, I so, can't wait to see it. Let's listen now to a man who's been building this plan Really, since he was a college student, Kenny Dillingham, new head coach at Arizona State. We're, we're doing the recruiting video here in Arizona. <laughs> we got the flowers, we got the palm trees. There's a cactus over there, I swear. So, Kenny, how your high school is how far from where we're sitting right now? We're about one mile from my high school. Chaparral High School. Sh- Chaparral High School, about one mile, if not a little bit less. So you were the quarterback there. No, I was a linebacker. Oh, you were a linebacker there. Oh, yeah. Brett Hundley was a quarterback there, wasn't he? He was at Chandler. Or he was at Chandler. Who were who the chaperone quarterbacks? So, Connor Brewer. Okay, that's right. Okay. High, high four-star, five-star. Okay. I grew up with the Brewer family who went, went on to Texas and Virginia. Uh, he was one of the quarterbacks there. So, yeah. you And you guys always had dudes. Oh, yeah. You so had college coaches come through. But you tore your ACL your senior year, right? Correct. And tried to play on it. I did. <laughs> How'd I mean, that go? Not well. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, that that's that's what I wanted because you you went to you went to college, and immediately started coaching at your high school. Was it your your head coach just said, "Hey, I want you here. I want you working with us." Or yeah. So our head coach, my head coach in high school, was a guy named Charlie Ragel, yeah. who's now our assistant head coach and special teams coordinator at ASU. Because he was he was Idaho State's head coach when he you was, when you got was. the job, right? And he's been uh, the special teams coordinator and two other teams in the pack. And uh, he told me, Kenny, you should start coaching. So I started coaching when my senior year of high school and then stayed coaching throughout college and throughout that entire process. So uh, let's talk about that because you're basically your Chaparral's offensive coordinator. This is your, your college student. You had other jobs. Were, weren't you picking up poop at some point? In a, in a I was right about seven minutes from here, just <laughs> right up the road on Scottsdale on Hayden, actually. So, And, and so you'd you decide you're going to start going to Arizona State practices. And what happened when you started going there? I, To be honest, I learned, and then I learned, and I but learned. But nobody came up to you at first, right? You just no, went out there? And- I went out there, and, you know, Coach Novell said hello just because yeah. he's a really nice person. Yeah. Uh, he's now one of my mentors in the yeah. profession. But uh, I really just stood there and watched and learned and sat in meetings and watched and learned. That's crazy. And, and now it, Mike Norvell says, hey, come in come to our meetings and and within what a year you were you were an analyst yeah within a year well i don't know if you want to call it an analyst <laughs> i was a dude in the building that got a lot of coffee okay all right nice. I, whatever whatever position that is <laughs> well I, I read david oven did a great story on on your rise here and and uh 
he had a, a part in there about the first practice script you had to type up. You oh, spent yeah. like six hours on it. Oh, yeah. And you hand it to Norvell. He's like, is it perfect? And he goes, date's wrong. That's right. Top left. <laughs> the first thing you look at on our script was wrong. <laughs> Everything else was right. Everything. Uh, most things else okay. were right. <laughs> so when, when that's, and you are what? 20, you're not even 20, 20 years old yet at that I, point. I you? was 20, when I first got hired there, I was 23. Oh my God. So you don't know what you don't know. No. And like, did did it occur to you how fast all this was happening? Because you're you're you know you do that and then you're off to to Memphis with with Mike Norvell when he gets the head coaching job. That was when it really hit. My wife was actually in med school here. Oh wow. Right. And I'm at this stage where you know do I want to chase this college deal or I always wanted to just be a high school coach. Yeah. And then the college thing just kind of happened with Mike Norvell at my mom alma mater right up the road. It was like. I have to take this opportunity to see. Yeah. And then when he got Memphis, that was when it really hit. Am I going to chase this? Like, do I want to do this? Yeah. And uh, when I said yes, my wife left med school after two years. Oh, my God. Uh, to basically, she stayed out here to get a nursing degree instead from ASU. And then she moved out with me. So that was when we were really all in and she was all in mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, what we wanted to do. That's That's incredible. What's that conversation like? I mean, man, I believe we can do this. Like, I think we can be successful in this world, and it can be fun. And and uh, she's always supportive of me, so she was uh, she was a little hesitant, but she got behind it, and uh, she was she, it was fun to see all the different places. So when y'all are in Memphis, and it's it's you know Mike's running the show, you're there, Dan Lanning's there, Ryan Silverfield's there. Did you guys know how special? that group was uh, could you tell day to day while you're working there? I, I felt so I, I felt like there we were walked in the building when I would go into a I'm big on just going into rooms and talking ball yeah. I love that. that's one of my most I mean it's, it's one of the joys I have yeah and uh, when I would walk into some of the guys in our staff's room and just talk ball it was such intelligent conversations with them. Yeah. I don't know if they got anything from me, but, but I was stealing everything that yeah. they knew on the why on defense. And uh, it was just, you knew, wow, we're, Coach Norvell really put together a staff of people that are going to grow in this thing. It's, it's unusual because usually when you have something like that where there's a group that's together, they all sort of came up together or they're all from the same place. But you've got, you've got Mike, who's from Arkansas, and, and you've got, you know, Lanning's from Kansas, but it, it wound up with Todd Graham. And then mm -hmm. you're from here. It, it's it's very, it probably was helpful that everybody was from oh, yeah. somewhere else. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we, we had Chip Long, who oh, was yeah. a Royals Ward candidate, uh, you know, and he's from Alabama. Yeah. Then you have Daryl Dickey on oh, our from staff. Texas. From Texas. Yeah. I mean, so we had such, you know, an array of, of people. I think it... It helped me grow as a coach because I saw uh, seven different really successful ways on how to be yeah. successful. Yeah. And I think the thing I learned there most was probably from Daryl Dickey in terms of just be yourself. Yeah. You know, anybody who knows Daryl Dickey knows he's going to be Daryl Dickey, one of the best people in the profession, and he doesn't try to be anybody else. And that's what I learned the most. That was another thing in David's story that I was I laughed at. You you decided you were Ken at one point. I did. You were very young, right? This is college. For first year at Arizona State. Okay. And and it's, I got to be more, more. I can't be a Kenny. Can't be a professional Kenny. Nope. How long did that last? Lasted about. Two weeks, and then Charlie Regal called my phone, yep. and he goes, left a message, who is this Kenny character? Or who is this Ken guy? I don't know Ken. I know Kenny. Change your voicemail back. You're Kenny. And I changed it back to Kenny, and, you know, that's... And that's you. That's me. But it's interesting. I talked to Dave Rand about this last year, and he, he said for a long time he didn't feel comfortable being himself in the coaching world because... He's like, they're gonna think I'm weird. I gotta act like the rest of them. If, if they're ripping players' asses, I gotta rip players' asses. And it took him a while to get comfortable, but once he did, he's like, this is so much better. So you're that way, 20 something on. You've got people telling you, hey, do it, do it, just be you. Correct, and uh, that's I was just lucky that I had people around me that just told me to be me. Yeah. That was one of the things Mike Norvell always preached is, and he would always tell people, is you know what, if don't ask any a question you don't want the real answer to. He doesn't have a filter. He's just going to tell you right. the truth, right? And that was just kind of how I was raised, and you know the people just 
it's kept me focused on just being me and not being, you know, absorbed in this profession. Yeah. And just be yourself. Well, and, and we talked about the different backgrounds that group at Memphis came from, but you've, your education through the college football coaching ranks is pretty interesting too, because you go Memphis, Auburn, Florida State, Oregon, and your Auburn, Florida State, and Oregon's offensive coordinator. How, how much do you learn through that about recruiting, about just how big time football works in different places? Oh, it's, I mean, I couldn't put into words how much you learn. I mean, when you, when you show up at Auburn, you get to work with a guy like, like Gus Miles on and you get to see how his brain thinks, which is different from how you think, which is great. Yeah. And you get to see how they run a culture and how he has a leadership council of guys that really have a huge impact on the team and the pulse. And that was something that I took and we have here. Yeah. It's something from him. And then the hours that need to be put into the recruiting. And then Florida State, where we took, took over a program that needs to be revamped. And the consistent, like, pursuit of just excellence every day and how it's frustrating but eventually if you keep chasing it it'll turn yeah. and then working for a defensive minded guy and, and coach Lanning and seeing how the defense needs to install and how the defense needs to operate in order to be an elite level defense it's just I was really blessed with the variety of people I got to work with. How similar is the job you have right now in terms of where the program was when you got the job to, to when y'all got to Florida State in 2020? I would say it's it's fairly similar, but the rules are different now. Right. So you, you, you're not limited to 25. So now it, new players you can bring in. New yeah. players you yeah. can bring in. So just a different, very similar. And I will say our kids here, uh, our kids have been awesome. Our kids have been embracing. Our kids have yeah. wanted to be coached here. So uh, I'm blessed to be here. Well, that's what the other new coaches in your league have different philosophies on on roster management what's it been like for you trying to because they were hit very hard by the transfer portal going into last season and then you take over and you've got to basically refill the roster how how hard was that or was it was it easier because of the transfer portal you know december window going out and finding guys that maybe fit what you do definitely easier with the december window for sure okay i don't think you could argue that taking over a program now as opposed to taking over a program four years ago yeah they're kind of different jobs now yeah uh just because of the rules but i will say it was it was fun because from a standpoint of knowing what you want to be and knowing that everybody you bring in is a reflection of you now yeah so if you want to cut a corner and you know this kid isn't the character that you want to bring in and you bring them in, that's you. And that's why we didn't cut any corners. It was, we didn't promise one kid one thing. You know, we've signed, I think it's going to be 50 something new kids. We didn't promise one kid one thing in the meeting. We told them it was probably going to be the hardest they've ever worked in their entire life. Right. But you're going to have more fun working harder than anybody in the country. Well, I always find if you can get the self-selecting sample, the people who come in understanding because that's, that's the part that, that always amazed me. You'd have these coaches that would tell players, you know, basically throughout the recruiting process, they're worshiping these players. And then they, they get to campus. I, I had a situation where, where when I was playing, there was a, we're in the training room getting our ankles taped. And Mo Collins is an NFL bound yeah. offensive tackle, sees some official visitors walking through. And he just walks out and he goes, enjoy this now because your ass is theirs in three months. <laughs> and it's funny because that, that's how it is in a lot of programs where you get there and you get de-recruited and deprogrammed. How important is it to tell guys up front, here's what it's going to be like, so they're not shocked when they get there? Uh, I think it's essential. I mean, I'm a big believer in the transfer portal because the transfer portal protects kids from being lied to in recruiting. Yeah. And, and are there some negatives to it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course, but it protects kids. And anything that protects kids, I like. So it forces coaches to be more honest and more upfront with people. Yeah. Otherwise, those kids have an out. And I think that's what's great about it. So it did, I've, I've watched the videos from the spring. It does look like the players are having fun. Uh, occasionally, you might throw the worm in there. Where's the worm coming? Okay, so the worm is for for the young folks, and and I don't even know where you picked this up. This is this is stuff that was going on when I was a kid. I'm an old soul. Okay, I'm that's an what old it is. Soul, yeah. So the worm is a breakdancing move from the late '70s, early '80s, where you're on the. I'm not going to make you do it now. We have if, if, <laughs> if you are listening to the audio version, you're going to have to go find the YouTube version of this, and we're going to splice the clip in of Kenny doing the worm. But where'd you pick that up? I don't know. I just started doing it when I was roughly 16. 
And uh, outside of a movie theater about seven minutes from here, to be honest, <laughs> is when it started. Yeah. Literally, movie to Shea 14, Scottsdale and Shea, maybe four minutes from here. Yeah. And uh, it just started, and it was born. And that's the only move I got, though. I have no swag. I have no drip. I have no rhythm, no dance moves. That's all I got. You also know ball. That kind of helps a little bit. Yeah, that's that's the other skill. I mean, that, that that's the part that, that's going to get you through. But, yes, having one move is fine. Yes. It's... If you have a couple things, you can go. Jeff Darlington, who covers the NFL for ESPN. Yeah. Now he's got the thing; he can spin the pizza boxes on his fingers. He does that on TV. But so I, I've known Jeff since he was in college. He he can play one song on the piano. Perfect. It's right here, waiting by Richard Marks. <laughs> if, if you walk, if you see a piano and you can walk up to it and play right here, waiting, you own the room. Hundred percent. That's all you need. That's it. That's it. One moment. So I, I made my son learn it. I made my daughter learn it. They <laughs> they they can both. They can they just walk into a piano. Dun, 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 dun. So they they're set for life in terms of just oh, icebreakers. That is awesome. Now you have to learn to do other things. You have to be good <laughs> at the thing you actually do. But Correct. Exactly. We'll be right back after these words. The transfer portal part's interesting to me because, you know, I got to ask you this because this is our my co-host Ari Wasserman. He grew up in Scottsdale as well. Yep. He went to your rival school, and his thing, he covers recruiting for us, and he does not understand why the coaches at Arizona State and Arizona have not just as a matter of course every year called every good offensive line recruit in the Midwest. Like maybe don't worry about the guys who are going to Ohio State. Like they're probably okay, but everybody else. Yeah. And just say. Come here for a visit. Yeah. Who says no? Like, who says no if you if you are a, a four-star offensive lineman from Illinois and you come here, you, your players may be taking some of those apartment complex pool parties or something. Who says no? It's really just you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have so many kids, even this, I mean, we've had 50, 75 kids yeah. on, on visits here, officials since we've been here. And you'd be shocked how many people say, I did not know it was like this. I thought it was dirt. I thought it was mountains and cowboys with cowboy hats. <laughs> I had no clue it was a city and yeah. it was this. So I think it's more, how do you convince a kid to come see it when they have an expectation of something mm -hmm. that's so far off from the reality of it? Yeah. Well, Tempe, if you don't know, does sound like a kind of Western Dodge City kind of place and then you yes when you land at the airport and realize Tempe is five minutes from Sky Harbor Airport and is the middle of this giant metropolis it's a very different situation 100% and I think that's why right now you know our hit rate with kids on campus has been you know very high yeah it's because we're bringing kids here that have never seen it and I mean I mean, look, exactly. <laughs> like it's like, this is the bad time, right? Everybody says, oh, Arizona gets hot so now, hot. Yeah. It's May. It is summertime, the beginning yeah. of summer. And I have a little bit of goosebumps. It's a little chilly out right it now. It is a little breeze. Little, little, little bit breeze. chilly, but it will get hot. But I think people just have this false narrative of what it actually is. It's a place everybody goes to retire. That's tell you everything you need to know about yeah. the quality of life. People here. want to be here. People want to be here. They move here. They get rich and move here. That was Steve Spurrier's <laughs> recruiting pitch to every every out of state kid for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. People, people come to Florida retire. <laughs> you get to go at eighteen. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the way. That's the way. To, but, but that's what. And I'm thinking December portal's better because you know the visits now. You're getting summer visits. That's maybe not the time you want to be bringing new people in. But that December portal window. That's the ideal time to bring. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's a pretty good situation and timing. Yeah. Now the good thing for us is, I, I'm the type of guy that likes to tell you the negatives about our school. Like I'm not one to hide it. I want yeah. you to come here and know exactly what open. you're getting yeah. into, right? Because I think it helps your culture. So bring a dude in in June. Yeah. Being like, you know, all everything people have said. Mm -hmm. What do they always harp on us for? The weather, the heat. All right, this is it. Here we are. Here we are. We're outside in the patio eating dinner at 7 p.m. You didn't do that in Tallahassee, did you, though? <laughs> Tallahassee, Tallahassee in July, I, I say to someone who lives in Gainesville, Tallahassee in July is pretty miserable. Yeah, I mean, I everything 
I'm a big Mike Norvell fan. Yeah. So I'm going to say only positive the job about that, well, but The Mike job Norvell. he's done, in spite of the humidity, <laughs> is incredible. He is. He's a phenomenal football coach, phenomenal person. Yep. I mean, I tell people, you know, running backs, I think, is something this system produces at mm-hmm. such a high rate. Yeah. That it's teams will always we recruit the same backs. Ironically, it really bothers me, <laughs> right? And, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to visit uh, Florida State. What are your thoughts? I'm like, they're great people. Yeah, oh, they're great I love people. Those guys. I love those guys. I, I wish, I wish I could tell you I didn't, but I do. And they run the same system, so I can't even tell you it's, our system is better. But it does, see, it does seem like there, there's a bunch of guys who can succeed. And like Kansas State's got a guy now from Florida State. Oh, who yeah. is going to be very good there. Oh yeah, because because there's only one ball in Tallahassee. So, I mean, it. But it, it is amazing how much you guys have have blossomed and and now you and Dan are going to have to recruit you know recruit against each other play against each other in this league but it feels like there's enough good players to go around for everybody to have some success no question I mean uh, recruiting and it's about evaluating people just as much as it's evaluating the skill set yeah and every school if you want to maximize somebody they have to eventually be happy or see happiness Mm -hmm. through the work yeah so it you in my opinion you have to show people everybody has a different version of happiness yeah. some people's happiness may be I want to go to my room and do nothing if I'm not in the facility right. okay you don't need to come here mm-hmm. we, we our, our version of who we're gonna attract are people that enjoy being out enjoy yeah. people yeah. enjoy this type of stuff yeah and they're not just gonna go lock themselves in a room when they're outside the facility yeah so I think every place is specific and you are gonna attract a certain type of kid yeah the goal and the hard part of college football is everybody's goal is the same yeah so you attract a different style of kid and you have to get these different kids and different personalities to all get to the same standard of what success has to look like and that's the challenge with each job is understanding right who you're gonna get and how to build a culture around it well you also understand what it looks like I'm a big believer in, in you need to know what it looks like before you can try to recruit it because the coaches who, who think they know don't tend to, to have much success, but the ones who've seen it. And you, so you've been at Auburn, you've been at Florida State, you know what those schools have to recruit if they want to be successful. You had to play against Alabama, Clemson, schools like that, Georgia. You know what those schools look like and what those rosters look like. How much is that an advantage when you are recruiting to understand kind of what you're up against if you want to hit your goals? Oh, it's it's huge because you know, like you said, you know what the standard is to play those teams and be on the field with those teams. And you know it starts. I mean, it's cliche, but it's O-line, D-line. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it. Like, yeah, that's it's big people. Like, it's big people. Like, you have to – that is what the key to the game is, is up front – and that's the hardest thing to, to get is getting guys that are big people uh, to join your roster that are good football players, good kids, hard work ethic. It's That's the challenge. Is it just that there are fewer of them, period? Yeah, it's fewer It's fewer of them. And you got to remember, you play with uh, up front. Yeah. Basically, half of your team are big people. Yeah. And that's the challenge is there's you have to find five of them. Right, and more than likely you have to find eight of them. Right. As a and that's really the challenge is can you create enough depth and then consistency and in signing O line and D linemen? Because if you can do that, right, you're gonna be able to get on the field versus anybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you're in a spread offense or a pro style or your thirteen personnel or what you do, if you can dominate the line of scrimmage whatever you call is going to work right if you move them yeah something's good something good will happen or if your four can't be blocked by their five very simple. something good will happen couldn't agree more it's a very simple game <laughs> oh yeah exactly that's <laughs> like, that's why you spend so many hours yeah you know, coming up with simple game complex journey through. right i'll say that but yeah. the game is 11 people where six people on offense never move Okay. Five alignment and a quarterback are pretty much in the same spot. Ninety-five percent of the snaps, you get five people to move around. Right. That's it mm-hmm. on offense. Most defenses have five dudes that always stay in the core. They get six people to move around. That's all it is. We're moving around five people. You're moving around six people. And how do we create numbers, leverage, and grass to get our best players versus players that you don't want them covering? So when you're talking to players, do they look at you and say? Wait a second. When, when did you finish playing? What's uh, they just ask you know about me and my journey? But I think my age is always brought up, which is funny because 
You know, people even negatively recruit my age. Oh, he's naive, he's young, he's not ready for it, he can't do it. And to me, that is the greatest compliment. Yeah. Because if the only thing people can say negatively about me is- Is that you're gonna be doing this for 45 more years. It is the fact is something I can't control. Yeah. Then it means I'm doing something right. Yeah. Uh, because I believe in treating people right, yeah. being honest with people. Yeah. So if the only thing people say as my age and I'm naive because of my age because I have extremely high goals. Oh no, I moved through the profession too fast. <laughs> and, and it's it's just thank you then. Yeah. Like because it means I'm I'm treating people the right way. Yeah. What I don't want people to say about me, oh he's a bad person, he's yeah. gonna lie to you, he's gonna treat you poorly, he's gonna act different. Yep. And as long as the narrative is oh he's too young and he's too naive then you know what? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because obviously I'm treating people the way I want to be treated. I also feel like when I talk to to coaches from your generation, the, the newer ver version of the head coach, the, the ones who are in their 30s or in their early 40s, there's more acceptance of the change that's going on in sport right now because there's no choice. Like you got to keep working for 30, 40 more years. Yeah. And I feel like the, the, the world will belong to the coaches that can figure out how do I make the people who are on my roster want to stay on my roster. Couldn't agree more. How do you do it? I mean, build relationships, be honest, and teach them how to enjoy life. Yeah. You know, people always, it's one of my least favorite sayings is this is a profession. It's a business. It is. But for 18 to 22 year olds, for 90% of yeah. the 18 to 22 year olds in this quote unquote profession, they're still 18 to 22 year olds yeah. and they're college students. And you have to teach them how to work and how to overcome adversity and how to become successful in life. And they have to know that you have their back. Yeah. And that still matters. A lot of the kids on our team are still looking for direction in life. And you have to be able to show them, listen, you can work really hard and you can achieve what you want to achieve and not be miserable. Because there's a lot of people who you look at on Twitter that you say, I want to be him and they're miserable every single day, even though you think they're successful. Right. You can find success and joy through the work and the growth. You just gotta flip how you think. That Well, that is the hardest part though. It's, it's interesting because I was a very results-oriented younger person. Mm -hmm. I just gotta get through this. I gotta get through this workout or I gotta get through this, this period where I'm covering high schools and then I'll get to the part where I want. That's not gonna work. No. You're not doing good work unless you're enjoying what you do in the, in the meantime, you know, while you're doing it. The, the goal doesn't matter. No. It's, it's the journey to get there. And I, it's, it feels like it's so hard to get a 19-year-old, 18-year-old to understand that. Yeah, I think it's the culture you create. Yeah. Like I used to, I used to be, when I was a GA at Arizona State or whatever I was, QC, <laughs> coffee, right? coffee I used guy. to walk around and people say, how are you doing? I'm, I said, I'm living the dream. That's, yeah, me too. And people would say, no, you're not. You're, you're, you're a QC, you're a GA, you're not living the dream, you're working 20 hours yeah. a week. I'm like, I'm living my dream. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're, you're right. a full-time coach and you're miserable. I'm a GA and I'm living the dream. I'm more successful than you right now. Nobody believes it, but I am because I'm actually happy. Right. And I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think when you can daily show your kids how much joy you have just for, for life and for what you do, I think it just is infectious. Right. Yeah, and they see you, and they're like, oh, he got where he wanted to be. How did he do that? And they ask, and you tell them. Yeah. Live, live the dream every day yeah. instead of saying, I'm, you know, my I, my dream will be achieved if I'm a 10-year NFL starter. And don't worry about that. Your dream is being achieved now. Right now. Yeah. And just, and I, I say it all the time, like, I have more fun working harder than anybody. Like, I do. Yeah. I'll wake up at 4.30 and I'll be there till 10.30, right? But I have more fun in that period of time. Some people will say, oh my gosh, this is miserable. I'll have more fun in that time than probably anybody in the country because I love what I do and I have a passion for it. And that's really the challenge to teach the guys. When you show up at 6 a.m., mm -hmm. is it, man, I have to be here. Golly, these guys are making me run this much. They're crazy. But you know what? We got to laugh our way through busting our butt. That's right. Can't believe I get to be here. <laughs> Correct. It's just yeah. a, but that comes yeah. into the culture. How you walk in the buildings yeah. is, are ten people smiling at you when you walk in the building? Are ten people frowning because it's early? Is your coach there? Is, is he enthusiastic? Is he? Did he shoot you a text in the morning? Let's yeah. get after it today. Like all of that goes into the mindset of these eighteen to twenty-two year olds, and I truly think if we can teach these guys to enjoy 
grows and enjoy yeah. the work, enjoy the quote unquote hard stuff that people say, embrace it, push through it. No, don't push through it, strive through it. Yeah. That is the difference in, in the yeah, mindset. Yeah, that's when you're really kicking ass is when you are having those, the hardest workouts and the guys are smiling. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And you know, things aren't, it's not rows and candy canes. We're gonna go get our, I mean, we're yeah. gonna get our butt kicked. We're gonna get knocked in the ground. We're gonna have to respond. But if you're so used to just continuing to be better yeah. and have joy through it, yeah, you're gonna have times where you're pissed off and mad, yes. But can you respond to it and get locked back in yeah. to the task at hand? Yeah. So you're home, you are living the dream. True. Now what? 20 years, 30 years. How long can can we build this place into what I think this place can actually be? I mean, this is a destination for people. That's it's right. a destination. I mean, think about all the people who came I mean, people, to this hotel people that are here thing. today. Yeah, exactly. Some of the most powerful people yeah. in all of college and the profession as a whole are here and they chose to have an event here because how great of a place it is. And you combine that with the opportunities because the city's growing. And then you combine that with a coach who, who wants to be here yeah. and a staff who are the majority are from here. You can come live in an unbelievable place. Be around positive people who want to see you succeed. who are going to care about you, right? And you can go play in a city with four other pro sports. So if you want to get into broadcasting, you have those avenues. Yep. With one of the best business degrees in the country, this is a place that can be special. It's not going to happen overnight, but slowly this place can achieve in what everybody says, the sleeping giant. You know, it's never been woken up for a reason. We need kids to think outside the box and say, man, I'm not going to go to the narrative school that everybody tells me I can go to. I can come here and be happy. Oh, What's yeah. wrong with that? That's right. I'm going to show this to my guy, Ari Wasserman. He's in Turks and Caicos on his year, year after the wedding honeymoon right now. But but he thinks he can block Jalen Carter. So we're we're gonna get oh he, he so we we're we're talking to Jalen Carter before the, the national championship game. And Ari goes, You think if there was a million dollars on the line I'd be able to block you successfully one time? And Jalen just laughs. And rightfully so. I'm just like, I would pay anything to see this. Oh my god. But he thinks he can block Jalen Carter. So, you know, I think he's got a little eligibility left. He's he's a big guy. So I think he'll commit. I'm pretty sure, even though even though he was in Arizona before, I think he'll commit. Uh, I doubt he can block Jalen Carter. Not many people can Listen, block Jalen Carter. You can Carter. find anybody who can block Jalen Carter. You're, you're doing all right. No question. <laughs> so, so, all right. Well, Kenny, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, and good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Kenny Dillingham for taking the time to talk to us, and thank you for taking the time to listen. It's been a really fun week. When we return, Ari and I... Headed to Chicago for meetings for The Athletic. We're all going to be together next week. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of news. We'll break it all down here on The Andy Staples Show. We'll talk to you then.